Allie Bonner, and welcome to QueenCast, the show where we interview badass queens about body image, business, and beyond. Hi, friends. Welcome back to QueenCast. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, which is orthorexia. You may or may not have heard the term orthorexia. It's somewhat new to the mainstream, um, and it's even new just to you know the eating disorder community in general, but it is something I struggled with my entire life um, until a few years ago, thankfully, but it basically means, if you haven't heard the term, basically means an obsession with eating clean, safe, or healthy foods all the time. So, you know, it's different from anorexia, which is, you know, the amount of food you're eating. It's different from bulimia, which is throwing up your food. It's really more nuanced and it's a little more tricky to, um, to diagnose and it's a little more tricky to just determine whether or not you're struggling in general. So I was definitely in denial for a long time um, and I'll get into that in this episode. But before I start, I just want to disclaim that I am not a medical professional. This is all my personal experience and I'm going to be sharing some tips that helped me, but you know, definitely don't take it as medical advice. If it's helpful to you, awesome. If not, move on with your life. Um, but I just want to definitely, you know, emphasize that in the beginning. Um, and I also want to mention that there's going to be some talk of numbers and the amount of food I was eating, um, that may be triggering. So I just want to, you know, provide a little trigger warning. If you're in a place that you're not ready to listen to that type of information, um, you know, please stop this episode. Um, I am not responsible for your emotional well-being, and I want to, you know, I say that with love, but I've noticed with me sharing as fully and transparently as I can, um, I just can't guarantee that you're not going to be triggered in some way by this. So you know yourself best if you feel like you're in a vulnerable place or you're not, you know, in a very stable place emotionally. Um, yeah, please stop this episode. Listen to it at a later time. It'll always be here. Um, so all right. So starting out, I want to really share, you know, what my relationship with food looked like um, while I was super orthorexic. And the reason I want to share this is because a lot of times it's really tricky to determine whether or not your relationship with food is disordered or if you're just a really healthy eater, right? And I think only you can ultimately decide that. Um, but maybe by just comparing, you know, my practices around food and my thought patterns um, during when I was really disordered, maybe you can compare that to how you currently act towards food and decide whether or not that's something that's serving you. Um, so I started on my first diet or I started really feeling aware of the foods I was eating um, on a family cruise. We were on a cruise in Tahiti, um, which I don't know. That sounds so bougie. Like my family wasn't rolling in the dough. So don't think this was like a very common thing that we did. But anyways, I digress. We were in Tahiti on this cruise ship and my mom had won some like nutrition consultation. It was part of like buying the tickets or something. And my parents are very chill around food, like super normal relationship. My mom, you know, drinks wine like a fish, but she also likes her vegetables. You know, she eats bacon, but she also has a salad. So she's just very balanced and um, doesn't really think about food too much. She kind of is like a eat to live type of person, not live to eat. Um, so she won this like nutrition thing. She was like, all right, I guess we'll go, you know, cause it's free. And she was like, do you want to go with me? And I was like, yeah, I was a freshman in high school. 
had never thought about dieting, never thought about, it was just kind of when, you know, right before I hit puberty sort of. So I was, you know, not really, I was running track. I was pretty thin. Um, and never thought about my body really until this point. And we go to this cruise ship gym and the trainer greets us. Who knows if this guy had any nutrition training, Um, I doubt it, but he starts talking to us about the zone diet. I don't know if you guys remember the zone diet. Um, I don't even remember what the principles were, but it was, you know, some sort of shitty ass diet. And he starts talking to me about how, you know, for fats, I could have the equivalent of seven almonds. And I was like, what? Like my mind was just exploded. I was like seven almonds. First of all, who counts their almonds? (laughs) Second of all, almonds are delicious. Why would you only eat seven? Like my brain was just, I was so pure and so naive and I was like why would people count their food like I just had no conception of calories or dieting or anything and if there's one regret in my life I mean I guess I don't regret it because it it takes me to you know it took me to where I am today right but I wish I could go back and just prevent that little girl from going to this nutrition meeting and learning these things and who knows I probably would have learned it later at some point in my life but um yeah, it really was just the first time that like my eyes were opened to the fact that people count their almonds and we, you know, leave this meeting. And I want to also emphasize that, you know, my mom had very good intentions. She was kind of just like, she wasn't taking me to be like, let's go and let's lose weight together. Like we left this meeting and my mom was like, all right, let's go get a pina colada. Like she was on to the next thing. And she was like, that was a waste of my time basically. And I, meanwhile, was this impressionable little tween that, um, you know, had perfectionistic tendencies and was like, I'm going to latch on and do the zone diet perfectly and I you know the rest of my trip that's all I could really think about I got home from Tahiti and I just you know dove right into all things nutrition and I remember begging my parents to take me to Barnes and Noble because I couldn't drive yet I was 14 and they take me to Barnes and Noble and they're like this girl is so weird because I'm like buying up all these diet books nutrition books like I went full in um and my parents had no idea it was disordered right like in their defense they were like awesome you know our high schooler is interested in eating healthy cool um because most high schoolers are you know you have to fight with them to eat a vegetable so they were like this is cool maybe a little weird but kind of cool you know whatever floats your boat and they're very supportive and at the beginning, I think it was a very, um, very healthy place, right? Like I was just very fascinated. I never even thought about my food. So it was just a very eye-opening experience for me. Um, that said, it turned disordered very quickly. I started learning about veganism and raw veganism and there's nothing against veganism. I am in full support of people who choose to eat that way. Um, just as a 14 year old, I had no education around you know needing to supplement with b12 and it really started to spiral downward and become very restrictive very quickly and i think just no 14 year old who's developing needs to be on a raw vegan diet in my opinion um and i just took it very very far and i was only eating raw foods for you know weeks at a time and i think that's when my parents were kind of like something's wrong um and so then I stopped. I think maybe they talked to me about it or something, but I stopped the raw veganism and I kind of, you know, I was still a high schooler, right? So I was like, I miss my fro-yo, like meh. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to do veganism anymore. Then I'm, you know, applying to colleges. I end up getting into UC Berkeley up in the Bay Area and I got into their nutrition major, which I applied for obviously because I was super into nutrition. Um, I even wrote my application essay on how I'd worked with Michelle Obama's campaign to get healthy foods to, you know, lower income populations. Um, I was really passionate about healthy eating and it was still from a very pure place. 
So I get into college and my first, you know, general nutrition class was basically just a dietary analysis, which I'm sure a lot, it's probably common curriculum for any nutrition student. Um, you input everything you eat in a day and then you, you know, go back and analyze it in class. And seems pretty standard, right? But for me, just having those disorder tendencies, it was very triggering and very troubling. So from there, I really got a heightened awareness around calories and just the amount of food I was eating. Um, so I think in high school, it was it was really the type of food. So I was more, you know, eating like I do now, which is generally pretty healthy, but I wasn't restricting portion sizes or anything. I was eating when I was hungry, stopped when I was full. But then in college, I became so so hyper aware of calories and I was like whoa I didn't realize I was eating you know over a thousand calories which now we know it's like you should be eating multiple thousands of calories um you know depending everyone's different depending on your activity level but just the word a thousand seemed so massive and so scary and I was like oh my god I'm eating a thousand calories what and so I was like I need to I need to eat less. I need to, you know, restrict and cut down. And then that's when really the disordered tendencies appeared because not only was I restricting, but I was also very orthorexic in the type of food that I allowed myself to eat. So I know people have different experiences with disordered eating and some people are just focused on the calories, but they don't really care where they come from. I was very much focused on the amount and where they came from. Um, so it's like doubly stressful, (laughs) double-edged sword. Um, sword, that's such a weird word. And this kind of takes me into my next point, which is it's so tough to distinguish whether or not someone is struggling with orthorexia because especially now, like at the time, healthy eating wasn't as cool. Like I'm going to be honest with you, when I was in high school, bringing raw vegan meals (laughs) to school, my friends were like, what? Like it wasn't cool. And I was kind of hiding it um, where now it would be like a high schooler who's raw vegan, like chic, you know? And so in college, it was still not super cool. Um, plus in your college, you're just like partying all the time and eating like shit. It's just like the norm. So it was a little more noticeable, um, the way that I was eating, but I think now it's, God, it's more difficult than ever to figure out whether or not someone is just interested in healthy eating or having some disordered thoughts around food and they're being too restrictive and too obsessive. So it's really tough to decide. I think ultimately only you can really make that decision and, um, and figure out if what you're doing is healthy or not. So I just, I wanted to touch on that because especially on Instagram, I know it's, you know, such a highlight reel and doesn't accurately depict anything, but at the same time, I have definitely noticed some really orthorexic, messaging that's like you know talking about you can only eat this oil other oils are toxic and you know sugar is the devil and just the fear-mongering that exists on there is really um problematic in my opinion but hey that's just me do you um which kind of brings me into when i realized it was an issue and how i got better um so that's i know what you guys all want to know and So I really realized it was a problem when I would go out to eat with friends and found myself just obsessing over what they cooked the food, like the oils they cooked the food in, Um, you know, how many calories were in the dish, was there any added sugar, just this out of control feeling around how the food was prepared um, was really 
anxiety provoking for me, right? So I, you know, anytime we would go out to eat, all my friends are like, ooh, I'm so excited. It's like a really cute restaurant, excited for the yummy food, just kind of normal things that people are typically excited about when they go out to eat, um, excited for the experience. And here I am like pouring over the menu, right? You know, I remember we went to this super cute place in SF one time and all my friends were like, it was like a taco place. And all my friends were like, oh my gosh, you know, so excited for tacos and margaritas, chips and guac, like classic, you know, delicious Mexican food. And I was like frantically searching. I'm like, oh my God, they don't have a salad on the menu. Like they didn't have any vegetables. And I was freaking out inside. I was like, how could I not have vegetables at a meal, right? Like I can't just have a taco and a margarita. And I don't even know what I thought would happen. Like I never even stopped to think like what would actually happen if I ate those things and moved on and I just remember telling my friends I don't know if I said I was sick but I said I I just couldn't come I made up some like bullshit excuse why I couldn't come and I literally missed out on that dinner because there was no salad on the menu like how crazy is that um and just missing out on those memories and I mean who knows if my friends could tell um whether or not I was lying but it was just really stressful. It was stressful all around, you know? It was stressful to be with my friends and go out and enjoy with them. And it was also stressful to miss out and know that they're having fun without me. So it kind of felt like damned if I do, damned if I don't. And I felt just very stuck in this like mental prison I had created for myself. Um, And so I think around that point, I really realized that was an issue, right? Because I was, you know, it's one thing to internally be focused on food all the time and think about it all the time, but it's another thing to actually miss out on events and, you know, social outings with your friends and memories and stuff like that. So at that point, I kind of just realized, like, I had this little voice, this little guiding light of truth that, you know, throughout all of this was still there, maybe a little softer than my disordered eating voice, but it was like, Allie, what are you doing? Like, You're missing out on such valuable, precious memories that you're never going to get back. Like this is college. This is like the prime time of your life. You know, you're in your twenties, live it up. Um, And so I really followed that voice until it got stronger and stronger and sort of drowned out my disordered eating voice saying, you know, don't go out to that restaurant because you don't know the terrible oils and sugars that they're adding to the food. Right? So it was this angel devil situation. And I started to heal myself by you know, of course, working with a professional. If you guys haven't listened, by the way, to my past episodes, definitely listen to those. Probably should have mentioned that at the beginning. Um, But I worked with a professional. I talked more about that in a past episode. And I also just started eating my fear foods. I started, and slowly, right? Like it wasn't just one day I woke up and I was like, let's go to Dunkin' Donuts and then Chipotle and then Pizza Hut and call it a day. Like I would have had a full-on panic attack, um, I had to start really small. And I think baby steps are really important if you're listening to this and thinking, wow, I kind of do the same thing. Um, you know, baby steps are so important. So maybe you're you're afraid of vegetable oil and canola oil. That was a big one for me. Um, you know, and we know that certain oils are probably healthier than others, but you need to get to this place where it's not consuming your life and it's not having power over you. So you can go to a restaurant acknowledge, hmm, this food is probably cooked in canola oil. Enjoy the meal and move on, right? Instead of avoiding going to the restaurant or changing everyone's plans or, you know, feeling an immense amount of stress over it because that's not healthy either, sis. Like that's probably less healthy than the canola oil itself. So, you know, there's that. Um, Another thing that really helped me was opening up about it. I've talked about this before, but really, you know, getting real with my friends, my family, letting them know what was going on, um, opening up on Instagram and just sharing that I was struggling. I think 
when people understand, or maybe they don't understand, but when they're aware of what's happening, um, they can be so much more empathetic. And um, I've said this before, but if one of your friends opened up about it to you, you know, you would love and support them in any way you could. And, you know, I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves, but we forget that the people in our lives are going to do the same for us. And so that was really powerful for me. Um, I remember telling Eric, a couple years after we had graduated, I was still struggling with this. And I just told him, you know, I want to be able to just go to a restaurant and be a normal person. I want to sit down, look at the menu. If I'm craving a Reuben sandwich, I don't know why that came to my mind, but it sounds really good right now. If I'm craving a Reuben sandwich, then I order the damn Reuben sandwich. And I don't think about how many calories or, you know, the shitty ingredients that are in it. Right. And so that was really a turning point for me was was sharing with that, um, sharing that information with the people in my life so then they could support me and also hold me accountable because it's really easy when you're struggling to slip back into old patterns, especially if no one knows um, and especially if you're really good at hiding it. I was so good at hiding it, um, which is tricky in college, but man, maybe I should have you know, pursued my career in acting because I was really good at, you know, playing, oh, I'm a cool girl. I can eat whatever. I can drink whatever. I'm a party animal, but then secretly, you know, only eating certain things. And lastly is just having so much compassion for yourself, realizing that it's not going to be perfect right away. You might, you know, make yourself a sandwich if bread has been your fear food forever and you might eat half and start crying. (laughs) You might throw the rest away. You might not be able to finish it and that's okay. And just having compassion for wherever you are in the process and knowing that it's a journey and it's not linear. There's going to be ups and downs and you're going to learn so much from the downs and I encourage you to really not get down, no pun intended, not get down on yourself about the downs, but really stop, approach it from, you know, a critical thinking, almost like a scientist, sort of take the emotions out of it and just logically looked at what look at what happened and say, okay, I wasn't able to eat the rest of this bread on my sandwich. Hmm, why is that? I wonder why, you know, what are my thoughts behind that? What am I thinking? What does it mean about myself if I do eat the bread, you know? And just digging in and getting curious. Journaling really helps with that. Um, you know, walking in nature really helps with that. Just giving yourself time to think, um, disconnect from social media. Um, all of that was really beneficial. And, you know, it got down to this root for me. Everyone's so different. But for me, it was this root of um, I wasn't enough. And I wasn't enough if I ate the way, that, you know, the standard American diet, right? I had to always be um, skinnier and I always had to be prettier and more popular. And I just wasn't enough the way that I was. And I didn't think people would love me just for who I am. And so really getting to this point now where I know that I'm enough, however I show up in the world, however I look, however I dress, however I act even, um, you know, that I am loved and I am worthy, um, just for being breathing, just for being a human. And you are too. And I'm so glad that you listened to this. Um, if you guys have any questions, hopefully this was helpful you know, send me feedback um, in my DMs at AvoQueen, or you can send me an email, ally at queen.co. And I would love to hear from you. Um, if you're struggling with this right now, just know there is so much hope and you can get better and you can get to the place where, you know, I went out last night, literally, it's Friday, July 31st. Last night I went to dinner with my parents, Eric's parents. We had lots of wine. I'm maybe a little hungover right now. <laughs> I had some creme brulee. I had some chicken parmesan. I had some scallops. Like, I know all of that was probably cooked in shitty oils. I know there was 500 sticks of butter, you know, heavy cream in the creme brulee, tons of sugar, lots of wine. And I had the best fucking dinner of my life. Like, it was so fun. I connected with my family. I was barely 
thinking about the food. Like, yes, it was delicious and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the it wasn't the forefront of my mind. I was connecting with Eric's parents who I hadn't seen in a while, you know, connecting with my mom who just retired from 36 years of dentistry. Like we were celebrating so many milestones. My dad who just had a stroke and is doing amazing and just connecting with my family and making memories, which is what any eating experience should be about. It shouldn't be about the food. Um, you know, only the food. Like I know that's definitely a yummy part, but it shouldn't just be about the food. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys. Um, I'll see you on Wednesday with a interview. I'm so excited to share and yeah, I appreciate you. Love you. And I will talk to you soon.